Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. We got Reverend Doug Jones with us this morning, and uh, Doug is a friend. He's a he's a blessing. He's ministered here at least one other time two years ago, 2017. And uh, there's a lot I could say about Doug. He's an author. He's a teacher. He teaches at Raymond Bible Training uh, College down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Shelley and I and several others in the church have have gone to school. Um, but my favorite thing I say about Doug, besides he's he's tremendously compassionate and um, just loves people, is that. I call his teaching sticky, and uh, it's memorable, and I appreciate that. I, I like it when there's things that are said in a way that are very memorable, and um, I believe he's teaching some things this morning that have always stuck with me uh, about the purpose for your beliefs, and, and just, uh, uh, and, and so here's, here's how I, I want you to treat this morning. In the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul laid out some things for the body of Christ. And he said that God gave gifts. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the perfecting of the saints, that's you and me, for the work of the ministry. And, and one translation says that each one of those are a joint of supply. Anytime that we have a guest minister, I believe this. I believe that God is going to use, in this case, uh, Reverend Doug Jones, to be a joint of supply for this congregation for whatever it is that we have need of. I, I sometimes look at it as an inoculation or it's an injection. It is something that we need for the journey that we're on. And so I want you to open up your heart and receive that way. And uh, would you give a great big central Minnesota welcome to Reverend Doug Jones as he comes to minister. God Thank bless you, sir. you, sir. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to begin there today. A number of years ago, we were uh, ministering in, in uh, Michigan. And uh, after we had finished ministering, the, the pastor and I and his wife went out to, to eat. And um, so during, during lunchtime, we were talking about some things and some of the things that we had talked about in, as we ministered. And um, so all of a sudden, I noticed that she took out a, um, a napkin and started putting dots all over the napkin. And um, I thought that was kind of strange, you know, for just a little bit. And... Um, what happened was, was she went ahead and pushed that napkin in front of me, and she said, I want you to connect the dots. And I looked at that, and I thought to myself, you know, I can't. So I said to her, well, I can't. And she said, well, why can't you? She said, uh, I said, because there's, there's no numbers by the dots. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's just, I mean, it'd be random. I mean, you know, you're going to have to have some numbers in order to be able to make any sense of this whatsoever. And she said to me, she said, that's the difficulty with most ministry today is we give, we give that subject and then we give that doctrine and we give that truth and we give that idea and we give that. And then we just shove it in before the people and say, well, just connect the dots. Make it all fit. Make it all fit with the other things that you've learned from the previous series and from the previous session. And, and she said, it's time that we begin to help our people to connect the dots. So I trust that this service today will be a service that will uh, connect some dots, some dots that can help you who are married um, to understand both yourself and your spouse, some, some connections of dots for parents, especially for teenagers, to be able to help them to navigate through life. I think there's some dots that need to be connected. 
to help you to understand what's going on in their lives and how to help them. Same thing with, um, with, uh, with parents of adult children. Uh, I have two adult children, and there's times that I still, uh, you know, uh, am compelled to help them connect some dots, if you will. And I'm learning as a grandparent now. I'm, I, have, I have five grandbabies and another one on the way. And uh, I'm learning that as I work with my grandbabies that there's times that I need to help them connect the dots. And so I want to help you to connect the dots in what I feel like one of the most significant areas of our life. You understand this, that God expects us to grow in three areas. He expects us to become born again. He expects us to become spirit-filled. And he expects us to grow up spiritually. I like to put it like this. The Gospels show the number one interest of the Father, and that is the lost above everything else. It's all about the lost in the Gospels. In the book of Acts, it's all about the Holy Ghost being filled with the Spirit of God and the, and the, and the action of the Spirit of God in our lives. But in the epistles, it's all about spiritual development, spiritual growth of the individual. And so as believers, we are to grow spiritually. So this is the area that I want to help maybe connect the dots for you today about this issue of spiritual growth. I've been teaching at Raymond now for 37 years. And I never forget one day I was teaching at Raymond and I, and I just felt led to ask the students these, this word, it, all of you who are spiritual, uh, because I want you to stand up. You know, the Bible says that um, uh, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual restore such a one. And that's not speaking to church leadership. That's actually speaking to the laity. That's actually speaking to people in the, in the pews. You who are spiritual, step into that person's life who's been overtaken in a fault and restore them. And so I said to them, I said, every one of you that are spiritual, I want you to stand up. And in a class of over 300 students, not one student stood up. And I thought to myself, I got a real problem on my hands. Because if no, one can, if no one can identify themselves as to whether or not they're spiritual, then who's going to initiate going into a person's life who's fallen and taken, been overtaken in a fault? Who's going to be able to go into their lives and help them? So I knew I had an issue here. And so I want to talk about the issue of spiritual growth. And I want you to turn with me, if you will, once again, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And very enlightening verses from the Apostle Paul written to the Corinthian church. Paul says these words. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal. For whereas there's among you envy, strife, and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? I want you to notice here that Paul says these words in verse 1. And I, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as unto carnal. In other words, I came into your presence, I wanted to speak to you as unto spiritual. But I get, begin to recognize where you were at spiritually, and I realized that I could not speak to you in that way. You know as well as I do that spirituality is speaking of maturity. And as, 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 as Christians, we are to grow. We are to grow from a, from, from a, from a baby to a child to an adult. We are to mature. You know as well as I do that you do not speak the same way to a child that you do a mature person. And neither do you speak the same way to a mature person that you do a child. Paul wanted to speak to them as unto mature. He expected to find maturity in their presence, but he couldn't find it. And so he, he, he bumped down 
to their level and begin to share with them on their level. He said, he said, I wanted to speak to you as into spiritual, but I couldn't, so I had to speak to you as into carnal, even as into babes in Christ. But what's interesting with this verse is this, is that tells me that Paul knew what it meant to be spiritual. Paul knew what it meant to be spiritual. And I thought to myself, you know, if Paul knew what it meant to be spiritual, then I can know what it means to be spiritual. And if I can know what it means to be spiritual, then you can know what it means to be spiritual. This is not a subject that is hidden. Just a pastor, just a pastor's wife, or, or somebody that goes to Rhema, all of us can know whether or not we are spiritual or not. Paul knew, I can know. If I can know, then you can know. I want you to notice here that Paul also, in verse 2, knew what to give people who were not spiritual. He knew what to feed them in order to help them to grow. Listen to what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. So I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. It's a, it's a verse that kind of coincides with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's very clear that Paul knew what to give people in order to help them to grow. Paul teaches us, I think Peter teaches us, that milk is the ingredient that helps people to grow spiritually. It's not meat. It is milk. And so milk is something that you digest. It's something that you use on a daily basis. And so, and so as believers, we need to be taught the milk of the Word of God in order for us to grow spiritually. It's not all about the meat of God's word. The beat, really, the meat of God's word is more for service. It's more for uh, ministry than anything else. But the milk of God's word helps us to grow. Paul knew what to give them in order to help them grow spiritually. Number three, the third thing that I see in these verses, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak to you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So I, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are still carnal. And when I read that in verse 3, I thought to myself, you know what? Paul could look into a person's life to determine where they were at spiritually. He said, you're still carnal. You're still a baby. And so I thought to myself, wait, 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 wait. If Paul knew what it meant to be spiritual, then I can know. If Paul knew what to give people in order to help them to grow spiritually, then I can know. If Paul could look into their lives and see whether or not they were spiritual or not, then then I should be able to look into my life to determine whether or not I'm spiritual or not. I, can be, I should be able to look into Pastor Brian's life to see whether or not he's spiritual or not. But here again, if I'm having difficulty identifying in my own life, I'm never going to be able to identify it in his life. And so the thing about it is this is more of a personal issue than anything else. And so Paul knew what it meant to be spiritual. Paul knew what to give people in order to help them to grow spiritually. And Paul, Paul could recognize the progress of a person's life to determine whether or not they're making any progress or not. But the most interesting thing that I found in these three verses is this. is in chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3, there are past tense phrases and there are present tense phrases. Listen to this. There are past tense phrases. Phrases and there are present tense phrases. Listen to what it says here. And I, brethren, past tense, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, past tense, but I had to speak to you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Past tense, so I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto, past tense, you were not able to bear it. Present tense, neither yet now are you able. Present tense, for you are still carnal. 
For whereas there's among you envy, strife, division, present tense, are you not carnal and walk as men? The distance between the past tense phrases of these, of these verses and the present tense phrases of these verses is huge because it's only a, a four to seven year time span. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, and I, brethren, four to seven years ago could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak to you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So four to seven years ago, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For after four to seven years, you're still carnal. For whereas there's among you envy, strife, and division, and after four to seven years, you're still, uh, because are you not carnal and walk as men? And what that told me was this, is that it does not take 30 years and three visions of Jesus to become spiritual. Aren't you glad for that? It doesn't take gray hair. To become, to become mature. All it takes is four to seven years being taught the milk of the word of God and applying the, work of the milk of the word of God to our lives. That tells me this. A teenager in the youth group, after, after being in the children's department and after being in the youth department for any time at all, they should be showing signs of maturity. Uh, because an adult who's been in the church for four to seven years should be showing signs of maturity. This is not a this is not a 30-year issue. This is not a, a, a 50-year issue. This is not even a, I'm 65. No, this is not even a 65 issue. This is a, a four to seven years with a relationship with Jesus that can help us to see whether or not we are growing or not. And so it's very possible for us to grow on a much quicker scale than what we've ever imagined. And so I don't know about you, but that's good news. Because that means I don't have to wait until I turn, well, I'm older than Brian, uh, uh, because I don't have to wait until I turn 80 in order to become spiritual. I can become spiritual now by applying the word of God to our lives. But the issue that we have to ask ourselves is this, where's the starting point? The starting point for Christian and spiritual development is the same for all of us. No matter what type of life you've come from as a, as a, as a, as a sinner, um, we all come into the Christian family on the same starting plane, in the same starting blocks, on the same starting line. And that is uh, with three phrases. That is the phrase of a baby for your babes. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God. We all start out in our Christian life. I, I, I hear that a number of individuals have gotten born again recently. Well, that means then that they're a baby Christian. They're just a brand new Christian. They come into the family of God, and now, now they're a babe. But another phrase that, that comes to mind is the issue of carnal. Listen to what it says here. And Paul actually uses these phrases interchangeably. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but I had to speak unto you as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he's using carnality and babes uh, in much the same way. Now... The issue is this, is as believers, we have to understand that the word carnal simply means fleshly. The word carnal simply means fleshly. We all start out in the, on the carnal stage of life. We all start out in a fleshly stage. Now, now what does is, what is the word carnal mean? The word carnal means this, in the Strong's Concordance, it says, pertaining to the flesh. Another definition of the word carnal is to be governed by your human nature. To be governed by your human nature. Another definition is to be flesh ruled. 
when the Bible speaks of the word carnal, when the Bible speaks of a word baby, it simply means that what they are is that they are a flesh-governed Christian. They're born again, maybe even spirit-filled, speaking other tongues, but they're but they're but they're governed, they're governed by their flesh. And so and so 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 Paul says, I found you in this condition. And I love you too much to allow you to remain in that condition. And so I want to help you. Because he understands that a person who is flesh governed, a person who is governed by his flesh, is an individual that allows his thought life to be controlled by his flesh. In other words, you, you think like the world thinks. You, 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 you conclude like the world concludes. Your thoughts are a lot like the world's thoughts. Also, what you say, how you talk, is being governed by your flesh. And also in the area of how we act. This is a flesh-governed Christian. This is a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is someone who simply allows their flesh to govern what they think, what they say, and what they do. Now, you realize this, that if a person allows their flesh to be governed by their uh, or, or, or their thoughts, their words, their actions to be governed by their flesh, if they allow that, you know as well as I do, depression is going to occur, frustration, anger, um, being a potty mouth, cussing all the time, um, uh, unfaithful, unreliable on the job in their actions, in their conduct, uh, because lacking integrity, they're a, they're a flesh-governed person. And so there's a lot to be said about this. And this is, this is the type of person that gets fired from the jobs. This is the type of person that gets divorced. This is the type of person that commits suicide. This is the type of person that's always depressed. They're governed by their flesh. But here again, God wants us to, God wants us to grow. God wants us to mature. And the, beginnings, the, the beginning stage of our spiritual, push the wrong button. And the beginning stages of our, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Uh-uh. Can you push me back into the program, please? Somehow I clicked out of it. There we go. The beginning stages of, of, of the development of a believer is to be fed the word of God. Paul said, I fed you with milk. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. Paul in, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 said, For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. He says you need to be taught the word of God. The first stage of the development of us as believers is to be a, a teachable spirit, to be that of a learner. The only way to grow is, is, is to learn. Um, you know, and I'm sure that we, we all understand these things, that when it comes to growth in any area of our life, whether it be in our souls, whether it be in our spirits, or whether it be in our bodies, it always takes three things. Growth always takes three things. Attention, because anything that you give attention to is going to grow. Number two, feeding its proper food. Every area has the, a, a proper food that it needs in order for it to grow. And giving it its proper exercise. The food that a Christian needs in order to grow is, begins with the Word of God. But it's with the Word of God taught with purpose. Because the purpose of the Word is to form beliefs within our lives. This is, this is what a, a, a carnal Christian needs, a, a baby Christian needs, a fleshly Christian needs in order to grow spiritually. 
they must, they, must, they must be given beliefs that have been formed within the Word of God. That's the purpose of teaching, to be honest with you about it. The primary purpose of teaching is to form beliefs. And so when I come up and stand up before here, I have a belief that I want to form within you. And so as believers, that's the first stage. That's the food that we need to have in order for us to grow spiritually. There is another type of food that, that is to be given to us on a regular basis, and that is we are to strengthen our beliefs on a regular Do you remember uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Your beliefs need to be continually strengthened. They need to be continually watered. In other words, if you hear a pastor teach on something that you already know about, you ought to be thankful for that. He's watering that. He's further establishing that point in your life. He's further digging that hole deeper to where it just is fixed immovably in your life. You ought to be very thankful for such times as that. But, um, but the issue comes to this. I'll never forget I was uh, traveling from the East Coast. had gotten done ministering at a church. And, and I administered Friday night, Saturday night, and two Sunday morning services. And I'm tired. And I got to be back in the work on Monday morning back at my desk. And um, I, I'm riding in the airplane coming back, and I'm beat. So I've just got my head up against the wall and trying to get some sleep. And uh, I wasn't really thinking about anything at all. And all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, I heard these words right down here. What good is it to spend all that time forming those beliefs within those people if they don't know what to do with them once they've got them? You talk about awake. I mean, I am so awake. It's not, I mean, I'm totally refreshed. I am totally energized. That caught my attention. What good is it to spend all that time forming those beliefs within those people if they don't know what to do with them once they've got them? And I thought, wow, I never thought about that before. And um, so I went back home and got to work the next day and got all the full-time instructors of Rhema together. And I said, I want to ask you this question. What's the purpose of your beliefs? And not one of them could give me the right answer. I went into my first year class. What's the purpose of your beliefs? One person said, well, the purpose of your beliefs is so that you can be healed. I said, there's a lot of individuals that believe that are never healed. Well, the purpose of, you know, of your beliefs is this. And, so, and not one person could give me the proper answer. And after that class began trying to come up with the answer, on the inside I heard this word, see? The Lord said to me, he said, what good is it to spend all that time forming those beliefs within those people if they don't know what to do with them once they got them? The purpose of our beliefs is to govern what we think, what we say, and what we do. In other words, as a believer, and I don't know about you, but I wish I'd have been told about this when I was a new convert. I wish I'd have learned about this in new membership class. That we're going to take the word of God. You're a, new, you're a new convert. You've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. We're so proud of you. We're so thankful for you. It's got a, what a great move you have to connect with God. But the issue is this. is from here on out, we're going to take the word of God. And we're going to teach you the word of God for the purpose of forming beliefs within your life. But once those beliefs have been formed within your life, then you are to allow those beliefs to have an impact on how you think, what you say, and what you do. Can I have an Amen. So the thing about it is all of a sudden I begin to realize this in reality is a spiritual Christian. What is a spiritual Christian? A spiritual Christian is an individual who has been taught the Word of God, beliefs have been formed within them from the Word of God, and they're allowing those beliefs to govern what they think, what they say, and what they do. That is, that is 
a a a a a a a a a Christian who is who is a a spiritual mature. Now you know as well as I do that that bottom issue, that fleshly issue, that's the carnal Christian. That's the baby issue. Now what's interesting to me is this, guys, is that every one of us in this room has areas in both. This is not all or nothing. For some reason, I thought that, that as believers, if you're spiritual, this is you in every area of your life. But I'm sorry, it's not you in every area of your life. If you're, a, if you're a spiritual Christian, you probably also have areas in your life where you're still allowing your flesh to govern what you think, say, and do. Can I have an amen? It's not all or nothing. It's not all or nothing. There's going to be a constant battle between your flesh because your flesh has been in control of your life for however long you've been out of, out, out of Christianity. If you got saved at the age of 30, you've been, a, you've been a flesh-governed person for 30 years. How many of you know your flesh is not going to give up that authority real quickly and real easily? It's going to want to continue to govern what you think and control what you say and control how you act. But as a, as, as a believer seeking, desiring uh, uh, a spiritual development, we must be a, a believer, if you will, that uh, is allowing our beliefs to govern what you think, say, and do. And so our spiritual development is dependent upon how much we're allowing that to happen in our lives. Do you understand that if you're growing spiritually, there's going to be some thoughts you're going to have to say no to? There's going to be some, some words you're going to have to say no to. There's going to be some actions you're going to have to say no to. Why? Because I'm going to allow my beliefs to govern what I, what I think. I'm going to allow my beliefs to control how I talk. I'm going to allow my beliefs to control how I act. I just wish I'd have known this when my kids were growing up and teenagers, to be honest with you about it. I really wish I'd have known that. I really wish that I'd have known that more in the early stages of my, of my life with my wife that I must allow my Bible-formed beliefs to have an impact so I can change the way I think, change the way I act, change the way I speak. But the thing about it is, is, um, is, is uh, uh, um, you know, we understand all of this. That's a spiritual Christian. But um, one day I was, uh, I was looking at this issue, and um, especially this slide here, and I was teaching along this line, in school, I just seen this truth, and um, so I'm teaching away. And I'm actually in the I'm actually in the in the aisle with all the students sitting to my left and to my right, and I'm teaching away. And I just happened to look back, and when I looked back on the inside, I heard these words: "It's wrong." And I went ahead and I went ahead and looked back at that, and I on the inside I said, "It's right," and I kept on teaching. And so I'm teaching away three or four more minutes, you know. And I happened to make a reference to that, to that drawing again on the chalkboard. And, uh, and on the inside, I heard it again. It's wrong. And I looked at it again on the inside, and students didn't know what was going on. I said, I'm sorry, but it's right. And I kept on teaching. About three or four more minutes later, I was teaching, making a point, looked back. And on the inside, I heard these words. I said, it's wrong. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to show me where it's wrong. And he said these words, you cannot be controlled by two things at the very same time in the very same instance. You're either going to be controlled by your Bible form beliefs in that area or you're going to be controlled by your flesh. But you cannot be controlled by your flesh and your belief in the exact same area at the exact same time. Do you see that? It's either going to be one or the other. You cannot be controlled by two things in any area of your life when it comes to your relationship with your wife, how you talk to your boss, how you act on the job. You're never going to be able to be controlled by, by two things at the very same time. 
And so I saw it, and so I began to share that with my student body. So I'm teaching away. I mean, I'm just sharing with them, seeing, just taking them along the journey that, you know, that, I'm, that the Lord's taking me on. And I just happened to look back at that. And the moment I looked back, I heard these words on the inside of me, and that's the picture of a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an individual who believes one thing, come on, guys, and does something else. This is a picture of a hypocrite. And every single one of us in this room has areas in our lives where we're hypocritical. And isn't it true that that's what the world says and holds against us as believers? Only reason why I don't pay attention to you all is because you're a bunch of hypocrites. Everybody, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Everybody, you're a bunch of hypocrites. So I say if the world... If the world expects us to be non-hypocritical, I say we give it to them. But the only way that we can give it to them is to allow our Bible-formed beliefs to govern how we think, what we say, come on, guys, and how we act. Say it with me. What we what? Think, say, and do. Say it one more time. Think, say, and do. Th that, that is the whole nature of what this thing's all about. And so the thing about it is, man, I saw it. I saw, all right, then we as believers are to, are to be about encouraging one another. Now do you understand? Come on, guys. Now do you understand that if any man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual restore such a one? Because a person who's overtaken in a fault is this Christian right here. They're overtaken in the things of Galatians 5. That's what he's talking about there in Galatians 6, the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, and all the other things. He said, you who are, you who are, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual, Restore, restore the fallen. How many of you know, guys, this kind of a person is not going, to be, not going to be restoring anybody. It's going to be this kind of person that restores. This is the restorer, a person that's, because you, you're pulling these individuals back into their Bible form beliefs. The only reason why they've fallen, the only reason why they've gotten themselves in the, in the situations that they have is because they've abandoned their Bible form beliefs. And our job is to get them back to remind them of what they believe and to get them connected to what they believe in a very real way. Can I have an amen? So the thing about it is we have a job on our hands. But here again, if we're not conscious of us abandoning our beliefs in our own personal lives, how can we be so good of a help to somebody else that's abandoning their beliefs in their personal lives? We need to be examining our own selves. How much of what I believe am I allowing to affect my life? Am I in the, in the middle of the night worrying because, you, because your, 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 adult grand, your adult children are going through some major stuff and all of a sudden on the inside you hear these words, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's a Bible form belief that's being reminded. The Spirit of God said he will remind you of things that have been said. A spiritual Christian will say, you know, I've been fleshing out. I've been worrying about this. My flesh has been trying to figure out how to, how, how to solve this problem, how, how to correct the issues. I'm going to get back to my Bible form beliefs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, God, what about this? And God will give you the answer that you need. Why? You're operating from their spiritual standpoint and not your carnal standpoint. Y'all doing okay? How many of you know areas in your life where you're spiritual? Let me see your hand. How many of you know areas in your life where you're a little fleshly? Y'all out there? Because un until I saw this, until I saw this, 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 this made all the sense in the world. But I'll never forget that uh, I was uh, in healing school and I was uh, ministering and uh, I was ministering along these lines. I'm going to skip over some things here. 
I was ministering along some of these lines, and I had a little lady come up to me. She's a short little thing in the hallway uh, after the class. And um, she started telling me about when she got the report of cancer and how that she had come unglued and just lost it. Actually shut herself away in depression in her, in her own bedroom for almost two weeks, didn't eat hardly anything. I mean, she just completely lost it. And in the midst of her telling me that, she, she, she just lost it emotionally and, and just started bawling uncontrollably and ran out of, the, ran out of the, uh, the lobby into the parking lot and got in her car and took off. Really bothered me a whole lot. And uh, I went back to my office and started praying about it. Lord, what about this? And, um, and on the inside, I heard these words. She's come to the conclusion that her initial response is a permanent response. Listen to me now very carefully. Every situation that you encounter demands a response. You can either respond out of your flesh or you can respond out of your Bible form beliefs. Every person that you encounter demands a response. Every person you work next, next to on the job demands a response. You can respond to them from your flesh or you can respond to them from your Bible form beliefs. Every doctor's report, you can either respond from the flesh or you can respond from your Bible form beliefs. But your initial response, you are not locked in to your initial response. She just came completely unglued and lost it because the doctor had given her the big, the big C word, the cancer word. And, 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 just, and then after I'm talking about, you know, being governed by what we believe and, and responding to situations from what we believe, she just thought I failed. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this failure. And I'm sorry, but you're not stuck in your failure. And I went through the Word of God and I found that there are people in the Word of God that, that actually began in their Bible form beliefs and switched and moved over into responding from their flesh. I also found this to be true, that there were people that, re, that started out in the flesh and switched and went to their Bible form. You can change from where you respond from by a decision of your will. You are not locked into your initial response. You can change. You remember, uh, you remember um, uh, so much, so little time. Do you remember Sarah? When she heard the promise of a baby, she laughed and she responded completely out of her flesh, didn't she? Impossible can't be done. But how many of you know Hebrews 11 verse 11 says these words, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him. How many of you know she switched from a, from a flesh-governed person to a belief-governed person? Come on, guys. All of a sudden, Peter is approached by Jesus. Throw your nets out into the water. Lord, we fished all night long. We've taken nothing. Are you kidding me? Total flesh. But then he says one word. Oh, I love this word. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my nets. I'm, I tell you what, guys, we need a lot of neverthelessers. Because anytime you encounter a situation, your flesh is going to talk to you. Your flesh is going to give you all the reports of what happened to you in the past. You need some neverthelesses in you. Nevertheless, in spite of what I know about this, in spite of my past, in spite of my experiences that I've seen others go through, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my nets. And he went ahead and threw. Do you see? He started out in the flesh, but he switched, got connected to his, to his beliefs, 
and, and, and hauled a haul into the boat that his boat could not contain. You can change from where you respond from. It's not, in, it's, it's not, it's not a permanent response. But then you have Peter, the same guy that said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down my nets. He said, if that be you, Jesus, you calling, I'm coming out on the water with you. I'm even now, Jesus said, come. As a response from his beliefs, Peter out of that boat and started walking. Isn't it true? He's walking on his beliefs. He's responding to the word of Jesus from his beliefs. He believed and he's, he's acting on what he believes. But then all of a sudden he saw the winds boisterous and the waves beginning to fear, began to sink. You can change because you realize that the sinking was the result of switching from what he was governed by. He was governed by his bible form beliefs, but now he's being governed by his flesh. Jesus had to pull him up out of the flesh environment that he got himself into, put him back on the waters of Every single one of us go through situations on our jobs. Every single one of us go through situations with relationships where we just flesh out. There has to come a time and a point to where we acknowledge that was flesh, Doug. That's unacceptable behavior. And we turn back to our Bible form beliefs. Ask for forgiveness for our wives. On the job, where's your attitudes connected to about your boss? Not being respected, those feelings, where's those attitudes coming from? Opinions not being listened to, you're all ticked off about it. Where are those attitudes coming from? They're coming from flesh. As a believer, we need to monitor ourselves in this area on a continual basis. But we also need to help, here again, guys, help your spouses. We're in all this, we're, we're in all this together. Help your adult, help your teenagers to realize what's going on in their lives. Show them, give them some memories of where they have responded from their beliefs and how those things turned out. It'll empower them to respond from their beliefs and in the current situations. And let me just say this to you as parents. Anytime you see one of your children responding from their Bible form beliefs when they could have responded from their flesh, you need, to, you need to commend them, you need to throw a party because that habit needs to be developed within them because without it, they're gonna struggle as, as an adult. Every time I see my adult children responding from their Bible form beliefs. To this day, I still commend them. Now I got my grandchildren and I'm starting to watch them. 
and I'm commending them every, every step of the way. I, I desire for them to be this kind of a person. And I'm going to celebrate every evidence that I can find of that in their lives. What's the difference between this kind of a person and that kind of a person? A lot of times it's just a heart toward God say, Father, forgive me. So, Father, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Father, my greatest prayer and hope is that we've connected some dots in a very visual way for a lot of people in this room. Looking back, we can see, yeah, that was flesh, and that's what that got me. I violated what I believed. I overrode it. But then there's times also, that's, that was my Bible form beliefs that got me that. Kept me on that job when my flesh wanted me to quit. And about a three months later, I got that promotion. Father, your desire for us is to grow. You've given us the equipment to grow with. May we make those choices on a daily basis to allow what you have been taught, so graciously taught us from the Word of God, form those beliefs within our lives, allow those beliefs to have an impact on how we think, what we say, and how we act. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.